In today's show, we're going to be previewing the Atlanta Hawks season with Locked On Hawks host Brad Rowland. Michael Bolton, he's going to drop in as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are here to talk Atlanta Hawks. Two shows. We're going to do the one here with Brad talking about real life implications and how we can translate that to fantasy. And then we'll do another show later on talking sleepers, busts, Um, yeah, schedule, all that sort of stuff that you know, I don't want to bore Brad with, with the fantasy stuff. So let's bring in Brad Rowland right now. All right. So let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Hawks podcast, Brad Rowland is here. Brad, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, always happy to talk some Hawks basketball. Yeah. So we're here to talk about the uh, Eastern Conference finalists, Atlanta Hawks. First of all, before we get into the specific stuff we're going to talk about here, Brad, um, is, uh, you know, maybe this is a, a trite question, but there's a chance the Hawks are better this year, but don't go back to the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, that's definitely plausible. I think that uh, their true talent level is kind of a mystery at this point. Like, they're good. Everyone knows that. But, uh, you know, making it to the Final Four is uh, a bit of a challenge, and they can certainly be better as an overall team and uh, also fall short of that. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to be the case with lots of these teams. Remember, so much stuff can change, and there were certain things that happened last year. Yeah, Brooklyn and Philadelphia falling over and the Hawks taking full advantage of that. And the Hawks will, be, will probably be better. And I think they had one of the best off-seasons of any team in the NBA, but it might not result in the same overall finish. But as long as your team is getting better and you're building, I think that's what Hawks fans need to be taking a look at. But let's get into what we're here to talk about today, Brad. And the first thing we're going to look at now is, that's the wrong thing that I've pushed. Again, just dealing with new setups, I'm going to screw things up. Let's go to this one. We are talking about starting fives. I don't think there's too much controversy with the Atlanta starting five, but if you want to run through what you think the Atlanta Hawks starting five is going to be, go ahead. Yeah, obviously, like you said, not a ton of controversy, I don't think, but it's going to be Troy Young for sure, of course. Uh, and then I will project Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clay Capella. Uh, there is, I guess, some wiggle room on the wing, but for the most part, that's the five that everyone's projecting. Yeah, I don't really see how there is. Like, You could argue that there's guys like Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter. Well, you can't argue that because they are coming off the bench or they are on this team. But I really don't think that Herter is as good as Bogdanovich and Reddish is not as good as Hunter. So to me, this is, barring injury, going to be the starting five. There'll be injuries and issues that happen through the year, as there will be for every team. But this is how this team is going to look. I don't think there's too too much controversy in me uh, in me saying that. At this point, um, or you saying that, even that is exactly the same starting five that I had. But the bench is where things get, I think, a little bit interesting. We've mentioned some names already, Brad, but let's have a look at how you see that bench rotation going. Yeah, this is a little bit more interesting. Like you said, I think they have uh, six, seven, eight guys that could be a part of their rotation. And Nate McMillan has his hands full trying to narrow it down potentially. You know, they ended up playing 10 or 11 guys a lot last year. I'm not sure that's the plan this year, but you have guys like DeLon Wright, Lou Williams at backup point guard who they've I'd say both deserve to play based on their previous uh, contributions. You have Herter and Reddish on the wing. Those guys will play by uh, unless there's something crazy that happens 
you have Gallinari, who's a returning, you know, starting caliber player that's not starting on this team. And then they also signed Gorgie Jang as a backup center option and Sonia Kongwu uh, returns. So already I've just named six guys plus the Kongwu. That's seven reserves that are all like very capable players. And that doesn't even touch on the rookies or Solomon Hill. So it's pretty deep. Yeah, it, it is like the, you, you talk about, yeah, most coaches will run a nine or usually a 10 man rotation. It's very hard to run a regular 11 man rotation. So that means that someone needs to miss out. And yeah, that's probably going to come down to the deal and right Lou Williams decision because yeah, Reddish and Herder and Gallinari, they're not going to be out of the rotation. There's going to be a center, whether that's Jeng or a Kongwu when he comes back. So yeah, Dillon Wright or Lou Williams is probably going to miss out. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but they are stacked. And as you mentioned, you know, Jalen Johnson, Solomon Hill, like these guys who you know, Hill started games last season for this team and he's back on a, on a minimum deal. Jalen Johnson really blew up in summer league and put up some really strong performances. So it is a team that without getting big, big names in the off season, Brad, they really strengthened what they can do by bringing in you know, a D-line right, by bringing in a, a Gorgie Jeng to deal with the Okongwu injury, like drafting guys like Jalen Johnson, getting better just by doing the little things that are important. Yeah, basically just bringing everybody back is an underrated thing. You know, it wasn't yep. a splashy offseason, but they did a lot to improve themselves both internally just by guys who were younger getting getting older more experienced and just kind of adding talent and also just not losing anybody i mean john collins was a free agent and they retained him for a lot of money but bringing the band back together for a team that was already good is not the worst thing in the world yeah exactly um but if you are looking to place a bet on the atlanta hawks brad i know you know the place to go it is bet online but football's the the name of the game at the moment because that the football season pro and college it is kicking off Really, really soon, and the best place to place your football bets is with Bet Online. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage also of their opening day special. You can get the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, August, uh, not August, September the, uh, September the 9th, Thursday night. They're taking on the Dallas Cowboys. And if you place a bet, in that game and you lose, you get refunded up to $25 if you sign up as a new cost customer using the promo code NFL100. Football, basketball, boxing, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers at Bet Online. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. All right, we've touched on it a little bit already, Brad. Injuries. Let's go to uh, Onyeka Okongwu, who is dealing with a torn labrum in his shoulder, which apparently everyone in the league has at the moment. There's there's three guys, I think, that in the offseason that came out of nowhere. Him, Siakam, and uh, uh, Kobe White all came out. Oh, guys, we're out for six months with a torn labrum in our shoulder. Now, Kongwu is dealing with that now. So what is the expected return time frame for Onyeka Kongwu? Yeah, you mentioned six months. It's basically what they said, and that puts him somewhere in January. And, you know, I, I know you do this as well. I'm accustomed to, you know, building a couple more weeks more weeks beyond that i never kind of assume it's going to happen as the team lays it out but if you go by their exact announcement to when they project it would be sometime in the middle of january for him to return but they can be they can be cautious with him obviously they have enough depth he's a long-term part of the team you know former lottery pick just last year so i would expect they kind of take it easy on him a little bit but for the most part i'm projecting january and we'll see beyond that I think this yeah diverts us into a nice conversation about Okongwu, who started last season out late because of a toe injury and then took some time to work his way in. He didn't even play every game, but I thought what he was able to do through the end of the season and especially in the playoffs made me go, oh, okay. Um, you know, in two years' time, 
don't expect Clint Capella to be on this team. That That's from an outsider's perspective because I thought what Okongwu was able to do, the confidence that he was being shown after playing, what, 40 games or whatever it was, was pretty massive. And I was thinking, in two years' time, this guy is going to be the starting center. Now, this is a step back, obviously, by missing an off-season of development, half a season of development here, and getting Jengi to fill that spot is, is really important for having success now. But in terms of my long-term view of Okongwu, did you get that same sort of feeling? It was like, oh, okay, well, you know, at some point, Capella's going to be shipped off here because this guy is going to be that starting center. Yeah, I think so. I think that was a logical assumption. You know, nothing's written in stone by any means, but when you draft a guy who's a center, by all counts, they talk about him as a center. I know he's not the seven-footer, so people often um, speculate that he might be able to play some four, but he's really a center, oh, no, he's and, a they center. View him, yeah. and they view him that way. Um, but when you, when you do that, number six overall in the draft, it, it's the best player available choice, but you know, that's kind of a guy who needs to play at some point, particularly if he's going to look good as he did down the stretch of last season. Uh, the wrinkle was that Capella was awesome last season, which obviously was a pleasant surprise, or maybe not, not even a surprise, but he was fantastic for them a year ago. But still, I think the natural timeline would be, you know, like you mentioned, maybe a year from now, you start turning it over to a Kongwu, maybe try to uh, sell high on Capella via trade. And, um, and you know, hopefully he's healthy enough by, by January, February to show what he can do in the second half of his season because Capella was so important for them that they can't afford like too much play around with that. He was their defensive anchor and most important player outside of Trey Young last year. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a tightrope walk, but I think, you know, I'm kind of with you that a year from now, maybe a year and a half from now, you're looking at a Kongwu being the projected center of the future. Yeah, I, I would have said if there wasn't this injury here, that by the time we hit the 2020-2022 offseason, that a, a Capella trade would have been pretty highly likely, assuming a Kongwu's development kept on and a similar path to what we saw at the end of last season. Yeah, losing this time maybe pushes it towards maybe trade deadline of 2023, that sort of time frame. Who, who knows? But I still think that we are on that pathway. But the other injury that... There was plenty of injuries that this team had last season, as all teams dealt with problems. But um, DeAndre Hunter started out the season. And we, when we talked, Brad, at times at the beginning of last year, I can't remember if, if it was on the show or if we did it you know, through Twitter DMs trying to discuss how this rotation went. We were, we're not sure where DeAndre Hunter is actually fitting on this team. Like they had, again, 11 guys. And they were internally, the thought was they were higher on Cam Reddish than Hunter. But Hunter came out at the beginning of the season, started from the get-go, saw his efficiency go up, absolutely huge amounts. Three-point percentage, two-point percentage. It's like he couldn't miss a two-pointer. His free throw numbers jumped up like 15, 16 percentage points, and he was on fire. And then we saw that knee injury. And as you also just referenced, is that when teams put out uh, injury return timelines, I wouldn't be so confident in those, especially with what happened with Hunter after they put it out. Then they rushed him back, and he got hurt again, and then uh, had that knee problem, what, two or three times during the season. Where are we with DeAndre Hunter and his knee uh, after all of those false starts and setbacks last year. Is he healthy, ready to go, or is this knee problem an ongoing thing that we're going to have to consistently monitor throughout the season? I think they're hoping it's not going to be a problem, but like you said, anytime you have multiple false starts in a season, that's not ideal. And, you know, this is a guy who came back for the playoffs, but then played one series and then was gone again. And it's it's the same knee. Uh, He was, like you said, awesome earlier last year, then missed so much time. They keep saying uh, both in print and behind the scenes that they expect him to be healthy for training camp. Um, that's obviously you know encouraging, but at the same time, he had he had the surgery to clean it up at the end of the season, a short off season, all that stuff. So I would not be shocked if they took it easy with him early on. Whether that means he's out or just kind of being low advantaged a little bit early on is something that's up for debate, I guess. But the Hawks are not short, sort of showing their hand either way. I think that he is pretty clearly their best wing. 
Um, you could argue whether he whether the efficiency from last year early on is sustainable because he was, like you said, just kind of on fire. But they like him a lot. They've always liked him a lot. They've paid a lot for him to, to draft him and all that stuff. So um, they're hoping, I think, is the uh, way that I will put it for now, that he'll be healthy. But knees are tricky, and he's still a young guy that they have a lot of stock put in for the future. So they're going to try to be careful with him, it seems like. But uh, you know, all signs, at least publicly, are that he'll be back this season. And as we mentioned, it's not like they have a dearth of wings. So like, if he does need to be managed, the you know, Reddish can start, or Herder can start, or they can. They did it a little bit last year. Gallinari at three, which I don't love, but it worked okay last year. They have other options there, where it's not like, man, if Hunter's not there, we're completely screwed. And yeah, you know, they could throw Solomon Hill in there, just go out there and guard guys and let everyone else do the, the offensive stuff. So there's plenty of options for what they can do if Hunter is not close to 100% or he's not even at 100%. They don't have to be pushing things through, which I think is a good spot for teams to be in. Now, let's go through some other stuff here on the Hawks, Brad. Um, backup point guard, we've touched on it a little bit already. I think it's going to be DeLon Wright most nights. But you, know, so why... I guess that the question I have is that we can look at that and say DeLon Wright at this point in, the, in his career is a better player than Lou Williams. I think that's fair. Lou Williams brings no defense, all offense, whereas a lot of other offensive players on this squad that you know that loss of Lou's offense can be mitigated. But why would Lou Williams, who at the time of the trade last year, when he was traded to the Hawks, he was like, I don't know if I want to actually play here. I might retire. And now he's like, no, I'll come back. But from the outside, it doesn't appear like there's a guaranteed rotation role. So is it going to be a situational thing will McMillan run with 11 man rotation and use both of these guys together how how is this backup point guard situation going to be handled I'm intrigued as well um just the way that you laid it out because I agree I think Wright is the uh, the better player overall right now you know Lou might have a half every once in a while where he's just awesome and has it going and they wrote a little bit about that in the playoffs but I tend to agree that Wright is a good fit as well they you know actively traded for him um but Basically, the way that I would put this is this is not me reporting, but Lou Williams is kind of a different guy. Uh, he's from Atlanta. Uh, he kind of famously, like you said, thought about retiring. I don't think he was necessarily willing and eager to go somewhere else and play. Um, maybe maybe back to L.A. or something like that. But he's kind of only been in certain places. And I, I don't think that he's a typical guy that would just like take the most money offered to him to go anywhere that he would want to go. I think there was a real appeal in Atlanta for him to stay home. And also just kind of, he liked, he liked the experience when he got to Atlanta last year, being just a part of the, part of the machine and mentoring young guys. They credit him a lot with it, with mentoring a Kong Wu, for instance, who is sort of his rookie. They took under his wing last year. So I think that's a really a big part of it. He also likes Nate McMillan. Um, so bringing the man back after making a final four run, it probably is intriguing to him too, but I'm with you. I think I'm envisioning a role for Lou that does not, feature Lou playing every night and I could be wrong about that and they haven't really said one way or the other but I think they just sort of a break glass in case of emergency guy a guy who can give you that little jolt off the bench be a veteran leader for you um he and Wright are very different players as well um which is you know they're, they're, they're at the same position but you can't really find two different more different guys at back at point guard than DeLon Wright and Lou Williams so that gives McMillan options uh you know they have they obviously trust him quite a bit with the way that he coached his team last year so Long story short, I would lean towards Wright playing more than Williams, but it would not surprise me if we saw Lou uh, decently often. Brad, if you need parts for your car, you know there's only one place to go. You wouldn't want to waste your time going to a local chain store or going to a car dealership and spending way too much money. RockAuto.com is the place that you need to go to get the parts that you need for your car or truck. RockAuto.com is an online family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Whether it's fuel 
fuel pumps or new carpet or motor oil, brake parts, whatever it is, Rock Auto has you covered. You can save 30, 50, even 100% on those parts that you need for your car or truck. Go and explore their easy to use website now. Find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. Find the parts that you need for your car or truck. And in there, how did you hear about us box? Right, locked on. So they know that we sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low, low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And while you're doing that, while you're browsing rockauto.com, what do you have a built bar? Because it is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built bar, it tastes like a candy bar. Delicious, nine flavors. In fact, I just got an email from Built Bar today saying that raspberry cheesecake is back. One of the best flavors out there. So go and get yourself a box of those. But if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, you can get a mixed box. All nine flavors, 18 bars, two of each, so you get to taste and find out which one is your favorite. And not only are these bars delicious, but they are also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories in all of the bars, just four to five grams of sugar or four to five grams of net carbs. Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the US track and field team. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you get 15% off your order at built.com. So built.com, promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off your order of delicious Built Bars. All right, Brad, so um, the next question we've got to ask, and we've touched on it a little bit already, is Jalen Johnson, who was really, really good in Summer League, obviously. Um, Is there a role? For him this season, outside of injuries, we've already mentioned you know, who you think your starters are and your bench rotation is for this team. And then there's Solomon Hill. So where does Jalen Johnson fit in? Is he just going to be purely in a developmental situation this season? I'm really fascinated by this, to be honest with you, because while Johnson is number 20 overall pick on a team that is loaded and deep and good, he's also a talent that's pretty well beyond your typical number 20 overall pick. So on one hand, like it's not easy to see where he'll play because the Hawks have so many guys in front of him. On the other, like you would want to see that guy in the NBA if possible, given what they think of him and given what his talent level is. So I think overall, like opening night, if everybody's healthy, I would project him probably not to play. But I think sort of during the season, whether it be on a Gallinari off night or something like that, they're going to want to see him. I just don't think it's going to be every single night, if that makes sense. Um. Yeah, look, he, he, again, he's got that. They've got that talent and showed that explosiveness, how that works in the NBA was still yeah, remains to be seen. But there is, I guess, again, you have that confidence that if Gallinari is out or Collins is hurt, you can throw him in there and play 10, 12 minutes and feel like you're at least getting to see something out of him. And the last question I have for you is DeAndre Hunter. We've talked about it already. He started out amazingly at the beginning of last season. The shooting numbers were through the roof. Like he was at like 88% from the line. He was hitting like 60% of his twos, like in crazy numbers. But it was for like 20 games. And then when he came back after the knee injury, the efficiency numbers, Brad, they resembled more what he did as a rookie, which was all right without being great. Like he was, wasn't putting up, you know, 62 true shooting, whatever he was to begin the season. Like those numbers yeah, fell way off. The three-point shooting fell off and everything looked sort of like he did as a rookie. Now, which one of those is real? Is it the DeAndre Hunter from the beginning of the season when he was getting high usage and literally every shot he was taking basically was going in? Or is it that guy that we saw post-knee injury where the numbers sort of regressed back to his college-type shooting and his rookie season-type shooting? I think it's closer to the one from his second season early on, but not all the way there. I mean, you, you reference some of those numbers, but... I think he had about 64% true shooting in those 20 games. Yeah, That's over his head. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Um, I think he's a guy who might be able to post a number in like the high 50s, 
maybe around 60, maybe at a maximum, but 64% is just like, you know, that's, that's elite efficiency that I think I can't project for him maybe one day, but in terms of a baseline projection for next year, I can't see that happening. I do think though, that he did a lot of things process wise and skill development wise for, between year one and year two that I do believe in. I think he is definitely a different player than he was as a rookie, but the jury's out on where that actual true baseline is because I think everyone agrees it's not quite that level of efficiency. Yeah, I think people, again, who are going to be looking at Hunter from a fantasy perspective is not looking at what he did at the start of the year, but also not looking at the end of the year and saying that this is him or this is definitely him, either one of those. Like There is going to be an in-between. There was always, I thought, going to be a regression from what he did to begin the season, but also you know, when he came back after that knee injury, I'm not convinced that he's going to be a 32% three-point shooter, which I think he was uh, in that playoff stretch and down the, down the stretch when he came back from the knee injury. I don't think that's a realistic expectation either so it is somewhere in between so don't look at well what he did before he got hurt and then what he did after he got hurt and think that it's either one of those two polar opposites where likely the answer is going to be somewhere in between brad i'm dealing with myriad of technical difficulties here thank you for staying with me as we've uh, tried to navigate these uh, treacherous seas of uh, of computers and software and all that sort of stuff and thank you for coming on and giving me your thoughts on the atlanta hawks for this upcoming season if people want to hear more of that they can check you out over on Locked on Hawks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Josh. And that'll do it for today's show. I will be back later on talking about more fantasy-specific stuff for the Atlanta Hawks. So make sure you are subscribed and followed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Thumbs up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.